exactly. Exactly. Well, good morning, all you time travelers who have traveled into the future one hour. You made it. I don't know why that's such a big deal to people. I, I don't get it. First of all, your phone takes care of it anyway, all the digital stuff. But I, I, do you remember the days? My dad, remember the fix for the VCR was to just put the black tape over the flashing clock? That was the fix. And I don't know why people get so confused, but we have had a heck of a week of weather, and we got more weather coming in. We will praise God here today, but we know there's a lot of you online, in home, that you're either flooded or snowed in, and uh, or with you're just struggling right now. We know that we love you, we care about you, and we consider you part of our church family here this morning. So let's all stand together and worship the Lord today. As a family today, we can do that. Come on. All my life, all I know, God's been good.
seat this morning. Once again, we just want to thank all those online and all of you guys here today. We've got just a couple of announcements. First of all, apologize for uh, Sandwich Sunday being moved. I know uh, Coulter and Nalani didn't even want to come today because we weren't eating. So, <laughs> but uh, I want to thank you guys for being here today. It was a rough week, and we've still got a little flooding downstairs. But also, we got the heaters downstairs that are replaced, and so we've got that going on. And boy, can we just thank God. I, I know Debbie and I are thanking God. We picked the right year to repair the pastor's roof. I mean, really, God's timing is amazing, isn't it? I've been here 11 years, and we chose this year to repair. Actually, it was two weeks before that big rain. So thank you, Jesus, and thank you for all of your, uh, your faithfulness and generosity. We've been so blessed. Lots of the great things getting ready for. we got Easter coming up here in April. Like I said, we time-traveled today, so we're doing pretty good. And then uh, next week, we've got, is, is it next week? Refresh is, is next week. Week, right this week this thursday at uh six o'clock and we're, we're doing saint patrick's day stuff right so bring any green food is that what you have to do i don't like green food i don't like i like artichokes those are green asparagus what else is green jello green jello that doesn't sound right huh brussels sprouts oh god <laughs> I wish I liked broccoli. My wife loves broccoli. I, 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 it just really makes me, and she, you know, I don't know if you've ever cooked broccoli in your house, but it reeks the whole house up. And man, yeah. But anyway, bring anything St. Patrick's Day. That'd be corned beef, hash, what else? Bangers and mash, you could probably do too. Uh, what else can we do at St. Patrick's Day? What else is good? Hot dogs? I can't do Cookies with green frosting, those are always good. Actually, that would be really good. I'm thinking about cookies. You know what? Remind me, no talk about food during church. It makes people want to just get out of here and go eat. So uh, that, that's number one is our seniors this Thursday. Come, enjoy. I know we have a little bit of dampness down there from the water, but, you know, we'll put the fans on. We'll do the best we can to keep it dry down there and less musty, and uh, it'll be great. And then one other announcement. Um, many of you who have been here for years and years remember John Will. Bill Height and uh, Bill, uh, Billy and Rachel uh, Miller's uh, grandfather and uh, Leslie, I, I believe, no, no, not Leslie, but I, I, I know Billy and Jack, I'm trying to get the family right, but it's a big family, and uh, John was a member here for years and years and years, about probably 20 years ago or so, and, and he passed away recently, and uh, the funeral will be held, memorial service, celebration of life. He is in heaven, and it is a celebration, and that will be here coming up um, this coming Saturday at 4.30, and they're also having a uh, potluck following downstairs, and that is this Saturday at 4.30 p.m. for anyone who would like to come, anyone online who uh, knew uh, John and or knew the family and would like to come and support. It's always a blessing to the family when they see so many people in support and there to love them and help them, and so uh, we are thankful for our church community 
community as well as Amador uh, County, which is a great community of support. So we invite all of you up there. And uh, our prayers are with uh, Billy and, and Rachel's family. And we just want to love on them and uh, let them know that uh, John is in <laughs> the best place he could possibly be. And so we are thankful for that. Am I forgetting anything? Nope. Nalani, am I forgetting anything? Invite someone to church. This is a good time. You know why it's a good time? Look at some some people are CEOs, right? It's uh, Christmas, Easter only. And, uh, you know, it is a great time now to begin to invite them to church. And, and so then they don't feel awkward that they only showed up at Easter. And I never make it any better either at Easter. I say, hey, welcome all you people I haven't seen since Christmas. I got to stop doing that. But uh, it is. It is a great time to invite someone to church and just say, hey, we got some great things happening. God is uh, on the move. I just think you would enjoy this community, this family. And uh, really, you know, you guys, frankly, your love for them is bait. And let's, let's just be honest. You're the bait. And we want to hook them in and get the seed cast of Jesus. Up here, they will hear about Jesus. And down here, they will see Jesus. And we believe that. And so we really encourage you to invite someone to church over these next couple of months. I believe it's August, April, April 9th is Easter this year. And so we do have some time. But this is a great time to do that. So let's take five minutes, please. Yeah, we didn't do meet and greet last week. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> so we'll take five minutes. Look, there's just a few people here. You guys could take five minutes and meet and greet. And when I say take four minutes to meet and greet, take 30 seconds to get up and 30 seconds to get back. How about that? Uh, I'm trying to help organize your time. How's that? And you online. God Who's got it? Coulter, you got it? Uh-huh. And those of you online this morning, I want to say once again a special thank you for joining us today. We are blessed to have you with us. We know, like I said, many of you are just stuck at home. In fact, this week, right, Tuesday, we're supposed to get some major rain. And uh, we just encourage you to stay safe. Please give us a call. Uh, contact us if you need anything. We want to bless you. We want to help you. We want to partner with you. And uh, if you need anything, just comment below or, or go to mtzchurch.org. The link is right there. And uh, join us. Join us here on a Sunday. We'd love to have you, but I know some of you are out of town. Robert and Linda, we're praying for you guys. Love you. I want to. I feel like romper room, and I see Kelly and Lori, and I see so many of you out there that I I know uh, watch regularly, and we're thankful for that. So we we just want to once again thank you for joining us, and you are part of this church family, and we want to know how to pray for you and how to bless you. Contact us. Let us know. All right, enjoy the rest of the service. We have a great message coming up. Uh, Pastor Steve Bird is an evangelist from the Assemblies of God. He's also a member of the church here. You've seen him and heard him sing. He's preached before. We're inviting him to preach again today. So please stay. It's going to be a great, great message. God bless you.
Oops, excuse me. All right. See, look at that. You got just enough time to get back to your seat. <laughs> All right. God bless you this morning. All right. Listen. In this place, we preach Jesus. I love how Paul put it this way. This much I know. Paul wrote most of the New Testament, and yet this guy, this scholar, who knew all the, the, the old scriptures and the, all the new, yeah, this guy was amazing, and he said, look at this much I know. Jesus Christ died and rose again. That's it. I love it. I love the simplicity. I've always compared the Bible to Texas Hold'em. It takes a minute to learn and a lifetime to master. And that's exactly the way the Bible works. And let me tell you something. That tithing is similar. For you young people, especially young people watching online, let me just encourage you to begin to tithe. Begin to give generously to your churches uh, when you're young. There's nothing worse than getting saved right after you bought your first house. And that's what happened to Debbie and I. And I just remember, here we, you know, when you move into your first house, you're, they call it house poor. Because you bought, you know, you did the best you can. You, you spent as much money as you could afford, and you got those ratios and stuff. And you go, how are we going to do it? I don't know. I don't know. And then about three months later, Debbie and I got saved, and we heard about tithing. So here we moved into this brand new house, and we barely, well, it wasn't a brand new, it was a new house for us. And we moved into this house, and suddenly we were taking what I viewed as a pay cut. And all I can tell you is God is faithful even when we're not. And God will bless you. But I know this. There is peace with Jesus. When you follow Jesus, when you are obedient to Jesus, there is peace. And there is not a lot of peace in this world. Amen. And financially, right now, it is a roller coaster. Those of you on fixed incomes are looking at your retirement accounts and we're all freaking out. Banks are collapsing like at Silicon Valley this week and we look at those things. You know what? My source doesn't come from anyone but Jesus. And all I can tell you is I've never made a lot of money. I've never had a lot of money. And when I did make a lot of money, it was at a church when I was in Dublin and rent was 2650 bucks a month. So, wow, yeah, you made a lot of money, but it all went away really quick. All I know is this. As a pastor who made very little money since the time I was 32 years old when I went into full-time ministry, I don't know how it happened, but I have two amazing daughters. I have an amazing wife. All three of them have degrees. One of them, my youngest, she has a master's degree. They went to private Christian schools, including colleges, their whole life. I have no idea how that happened. I really don't. I could not go back and tell you it. I could tell you this. God is so faithful. And so I encourage you. If we're in, like, we talk about this recession or we look at these banks, we look at all this stuff... All I know is the antidote is to be generous. Don't tighten up. 
Put your faith in God. And be generous. And, and I don't mean just generous to your tithes and offerings. Yes, God will take care of us. But I mean with people. With, with those nonprofits that we believe in and, and places that need your money and, and places that people... And, or somebody you run across the street. Or, uh, uh, there's a lot of homeless out there that are freezing and need a meal or a sandwich. Let's be a people that aren't worried about this economy because we have God's economy and he owns it all. Amen? So, Father, thank you that you provided today this wonderful building the heater's working, the roof's not leaking, and we are here gathered together safely. We thank you for those online that are watching or are able to do so. And the Father, most of us, most of us have a car with some gas in it, a roof over our head, and some groceries in the fridge. And Father, we lift up those who don't. We pray for those that you would provide for. We thank you, God, for the faithful that, that every Every week, every time they get a dollar that comes in their house, they make sure a dime goes to the church. We thank you for those. We thank you for those that go above and beyond that in their generosity. Father, we thank you for those with a heart that is so generous it makes the tithe look silly. And so, God, we just ask you to provide for us all. Let us be the people of God that aren't worrying about it because ye is our peace. And that's what our faith is in. It's not in whatever our bank account says. Our faith is in what heaven's account says. And it says that he owns it all. And so, Father, we thank you. Give us wisdom as a board and a staff to be good stewards of your finances as you help us all have good wisdom during this time to be good stewards and managers of your stuff, God. So thank you, Father. And we praise you. In Jesus' name. And the church said, amen, amen. Ushers, go ahead. Hey, I'm excited about doing this song. We haven't done this song in forever, and it's one of my favorites. So uh, I'm going to enjoy it. But, <laughs> but I encourage you this morning, don't go through the motions. Jesus may come back this afternoon. He may come back right now. I want to be caught worshiping him with my whole heart. I want to be caught today saying, Jesus, I'm giving it all to you, and I'm going to proclaim it all to you today. Don't let this moment pass as we enjoy the presence of God. Come on, let's stand to our feet as the book of Deuteronomy says. We stand in the presence of royalty. We stand in the presence of a loving God as we worship you. Wonders you do, and I. 
magnificent God. Hallelujah, Lord, you're wonderful. Hallelujah, Lord, you're wonderful. Wonderful, magnificent.
problems, my troubles, my worries, my brokenness. I surrender it all to you. My pride, my thinking I can fix it all. Forgive me, Lord, for where I haven't surrendered all. under your umbrella every day and bless the service and to them that have come into this place of worship minister to them I ask and thank you for all your blessings Amen Amen, Amen Give the Lord a praise this morning Thank you Father God bless you. Isabel, it's so great to see you in church today. God bless you. 93 years old. I don't want to make anybody feel guilty up there online. 93 years old. She made it. She wasn't too tired. She didn't mess up in her time traveling. She did great. You know, I've been very blessed uh, at this church um, over the years. God has brought some wonderful people here, not only sitting in those seats, but for this altar as well. We have so many. It's so funny to me how a small church needs so many people to lead. It can only mean that God is preparing and God is moving. It can only mean that. We are blessed with so many people who can speak God's truth. We are blessed with leadership and growth. I look in this room and I think 11 years ago, which it'll be in April, 11 years, and I know, and I look out and I've seen God move in me and change me, but also in you too, and uh, it's a blessing whenever I can bring someone up here that I have uh, faith and trust. It's an interesting little thing in our bylaws and constitution 
Um, I'm responsible, period, for whoever is on this pulpit. I don't, uh, the board can't just give anybody permission to be up here. I have to do it. And it's, it's the way God set it up, and I, and I believe it's proper. At the same time, it's very scary because it's always my fault. <laughs> so that's okay. I'll take it. In this case, I don't fear that at all. I'm excited, excited today to uh, welcome uh, a member of our church for a few months now and uh, participating and to the life of this church. And if you've been here on Wednesday nights, you've heard uh, Steve and I's, Brother Steve and I's discussions. <laughs> Sometimes that's all it is, is you spectating into our discussions. But we have a great, and you're not here till 8.30 at night when we're still down here talking. So it is a pleasure to partner with him and Lori in ministry. And uh, so I want to welcome uh, Brother Steve Bird to the platform this morning. Thank you, Pastor. Praise the Lord. Well, I'm glad you're here this morning. I'm glad I'm here. We, uh, we've had some weather of late, haven't we? I was really wondering, you know, what point the Lord's going to give us a little break on that, and he has, and I'm thankful for that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Pastor, for letting me share this morning. And I do have a message that from the Lord that I want to share with you this morning. Um, let, let's, let's start with prayer. Father, we thank you this morning, Lord, that we are gathered here in your presence. Lord, we don't take this for granted. Lord, that you would visit us by your spirit, that your eyes are upon us. And Lord, you would strengthen us today, that you would quicken our ears to hear. And you would do that good work in us, which is to will and to do your good pleasure. Speak to our hearts, Lord, today. Change our lives in your precious name. Everyone said amen and amen. Why don't you go with me, if you have your Bibles, go with me to Malachi chapter 3, which is what I shared from a few weeks ago when I had the opportunity to minister so Malachi is the very last book of the Old Testament. So if you go to Matthew, which is the first book of the New Testament, and just go back one book, it's pretty easy to find. The reason why it's significant that I'm sharing from the book of Malachi is because uh, you may not be aware of this, but Malachi was the last prophet sent to Israel in the Old Testament. After Malachi, there was no prophetic voice for 400 years. Could you imagine that? We've only been a nation, America's only been a nation for about 250. So almost double that, and there was no word for, from God to his people. So these are the words that the very last voice from God was speaking to the people of God before Jesus showed up. Now, if you remember, some of you remember, I don't expect you to remember uh, this uh, if you weren't here, but let me just recap a little bit. In Malachi chapter 3, we read these words. Verse 1, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. Now, we, we talked that this was speaking of John the Baptist who was the forerunner of the ministry of Jesus. 
And he came to prepare the way before the Messiah, which, as I said last time, was not an uncommon thought, because when kings came into a region, into a land, they would have a forerunner that would go before them, someone to prepare the way. And what that would mean is, uh, like our roads here in Amador County, if, if you're like us, we hit a tremendous pothole this morning on the way to church. <laughs> and uh, they need to fill that. But in these days, the, the forerunner, the preparer, would make sure there were no potholes because the king's chariot was coming in. The king's carriage was coming in. They'd fill the potholes. They'd remove any obstacles, logs, rocks that were in the way. So there'd be a clear path for the king to get from where he was coming to where he needed to go. And that's what John the Baptist did. He prepared the way. And it was interesting. His ministry only lasted about six months. But he shook that nation to its core. Isn't that interesting? It doesn't take long if God really sets somebody on fire. You know, John Wesley said that his secret was that he would get on fire for God and people would come to watch him burn. If you get on fire for God, it doesn't take long. John the Baptist shook that nation in six short months. And he prepared the way for the Messiah, for Jesus. It says that the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. You remember me preaching about that a few weeks ago? It's important when we're talking about a visitation from God, and pastor's been talking about revival, and, and he's not the only one. I began to, I think Jesus is trying to call somebody. The, uh, when you look, I started looking on the different Assembly of God churches. This is Assembly of God church. Not that I think the Assembly of God is the only thing happening. But I was just, that's my background. So I was looking at some of the other Assembly of God churches in about within a 30 to 45 mile radius. And many of them are preaching the same thing that you're preaching right now. And the reason for that is, is because God is wanting to do something in our nation, in our state, and in our county. He really is. Now, a lot of people don't realize that because they don't realize what's going on in our nation. I want to tell you, America is a lot like the Titanic. You know, the Titanic said that there were the ship, the vessel, that not even God himself could sink. And a lot of people have thought that about America. They may not vocalize it, but they think it in their heart. That somehow God cannot do without America. I want to tell you, friend, God can do without America, but America cannot do without God. We will not stand. And the hard reality and the, 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 the harsh truth is that, like the Titanic, America has hit the iceberg. We are in the end times. And I want to tell you this. Interestingly enough, as long as America has been a superpower for the last 50-odd years, there is no mention of an America in the book of Revelation. I'm serious. I'm being dead serious this morning. There's mention of... In, in, in the scriptures that Russia's still there, there's mention of the kings of the east, which would be China. 
There's mention of a revived Roman Empire, which would be Europe. But there's no mention of America. And I ask this, how is that possible when we are so close to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ? There's no mention of it. Is it possible that America has hit an iceberg like the Titanic? And if it has, I want to tell you what is of utmost importance right now. Getting as many people into lifeboats as you can. Listen to me now. I'm not saying this to be dramatic. This is God's last ditch attempt to reach a generation in America before it's too late. And so why is it that right now there is an emphasis on any person who is hearing God at all about revival? Why is that? Because God is trying to get through to us that the church has gone too long in its own strength with no results. It reminds me of the story of the emperor with no clothes. Some of you may have heard this story as a child. I have a little bit of a different twist on it, but let me tell you this, this story. The emperor, in his uh, pride and in his arrogance, uh, the, how many know that arrogance is actually a weakness? It, it totally is. In his arrogance, these men came to, to feed his arrogance. They said, your majesty, we are the best tailors in your kingdom. And we want to build you, we want to fashion for you, rather, a suit of clothes that will rival anything of any king that has ever existed. And he said, of course, what, what will it take? He says, we just need the, uh, the resources of your treasury. If you unlock your treasury to us, we will build you, we will fashion for you a, a suit of clothes that you will not believe. And you will be the envy of every other king and emperor. He said, by all means, get to it. So these tailors, they scooped up a wagon full of gold, and they headed out. And after a while, no one had seen them. And so the king says to his vizier, he says, listen, go find out what happened with these guys and where my money's at. And so he went and he found the tailors, and he walked in. And here were these tailors working, mind you, on an empty hanger. But they looked... Like they were doing needlework and they stopped in the middle of their work and said to the vizier, he said, what do you think about this beautiful fine suit of clothes? And the vizier said, uh, you know, he didn't want to look stupid. And he said, well, th those are, are quite beautiful. They're, they're possibly the best suit of clothes I've ever seen. And so he goes back to the king and no one wants to bring the king bad news, so he says, well, your majesty, they're, they're forming this wonderful garment. I've never seen anything like it. And the king says, well, well bring them in and bring, bring the tailor and bring my new suit of clothes. So these men come parading in with great pomp and majesty with an empty hanger. But the king didn't want to appear stupid. So he said, well, th those are the most beautiful Clothes I've ever seen. Yes, those are, those are wonderful. They're fantastic. And he said to the vizier, he said, call the kingdom together. He said, well, what are you going to do? He said, I'm gonna, we're going to have a parade, and I'm going to show off my, my new wonderful suit of clothes. And so the kingdom gathers together, and the king is 
walking down the street with nothing but his BVDs on. And people are applauding and, and rejoicing. And there was a little girl that tugged at her mother's skirt and said, Mama, the king doesn't have any clothes on. And Mama said, you know, that's what I thought. But I didn't want to appear stupid. And soon there's a buzz that goes through the crowd. And the vizier says to the king, he says, Your majesty, the people know you're naked. What shall we do? And you know what the king said? Let's finish the parade. And that's one thing, church, that we cannot afford to do. You'll notice in the book of Revelation, the church that most resembles the American church in the end times is the book there, the church there in Revelation 3, known as the church of Laodicea. And the Lord is there with eyes as a flame of fire, John saw him, and, and the, Jesus is moving in the midst of these lampstands, each one a symbol of the church, which that is our purpose in the earth, is to be a lampstand. Jesus, when he was on the earth, said these words. He says, I am the light of the world. But then when he left, he said, you, the church, are the light of the world. We're meant to reflect the majesty of the king. And so what Jesus is doing, he's moving around the lampstands and he's examining them and seeing if there is still that in the church that would merit his continual care and upkeep. And five out of the seven had issues. Now this church said this in Laodicea. They said, we're rich, we're increased with goods, we've never had more money in our coffers than today. Look at our mega churches. Pastors are driving Bentleys. We have jets. Lear jets and people talking about how God is going to give them money for a new jet and all the we have we're rich we're increased with goods we have need of nothing and Jesus said know ye not that you are poor miserable wretched blind and listen naked just like that emperor and we dare not say let's finish the parade now in this passage in Malachi 3, we read how that the Lord whom you seek, this was my message the last time I spoke, the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And we also said, according to 1 Corinthians 3.16, that we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You say, well, how can that be? What does that mean, come to his temple? Well, Revelation 3, that church I just talked about, Laodicea, Jesus was on the outside of the church knocking to be let back in. And they were saying, let's finish the parade. And Jesus wasn't even in the, in the church anymore. He's knocking at the door, says, behold, I stand at the door and knock of his own church. I spent a lot of time in the early years of my ministry as an evangelist, traveling to various churches in the denomination that I served, preaching and and. Uh, you know, there were times where I felt like, you know, Lord, they didn't hear a word I said. It didn't even seem like they wanted me there. And I've had the Lord whisper to me on more, more than one occasion, well, don't take it too hard. 
They don't want me there either. The Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Now we're going to pick up this message in verse 2 with these words. Malachi 3 verse 2. But who can endure the day of his coming? We want, I'll tell you what, whether we want revival or not, we need revival. The church in America, the church in California, the church in Amador County, whether they want it or not, we need revival. We need revival. We need for the Lord to let his presence manifest again in our midst. But who can endure the day of his coming and who can stand when he appears. And I was thinking about that one line, who can stand when he appears. You know, there are, per, there are portions in the Bible we're called to having done everything else to stand. But that's not what that's referring to there. That's referring to who can stand when the Lord appears. It, it reminds me of the little kid that, that, that uh, the school teacher told him, said, sit down. He wouldn't sit down. He's just standing. You know, that kind of just arrogant, like, mm. Sit down. No. Sit down. And the child sat down and said, I'm still standing up on the inside. It's that kind of an attitude. Who can stand when the Lord appears? And most of the time when you see the prince of God showing up, no one's standing. It wipes them out. Daniel fell at his feet as a dead man. John the revelator who had walked with Jesus for three and a half years, saw him on the Isle of Patmos in his glory, and he says, I fell on my feet as a dead man. I want to tell you, when he returns, he's not coming like a babe in a manger. He's not returning like that, that, that lowly man that was going to the cross on a donkey. He's coming with fire in his eyes. And the world needs to know that. He's not coming like a baby in a manger. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the day when the, the door of the ark is open and God is allowing all who will let him come in. But when he shows up, it's with fire in his eyes. And the very words of his mouth come forward to slay the nations. Who can stand when he appears? Look at these words here. For he is like a refiner's fire and a launderer's soap. And he will purify the sons of Levi. That's the priesthood. Now, if you're taking notes, you may want to write this down. 1 Peter 2.5 says these words, that we, in the New Testament, the church is the holy priesthood. A chosen generation, a holy priesthood. We don't have priests today that are legitimate. God doesn't tell you to go and confess your sins to a man and do, you know, so many this and so many that. You're, no, there's only through Jesus. One mediator between God and man, the man, the Lord Jesus Christ. But we are a holy priesthood. What does that mean? We are the ones to, to bring people and reconcile them to the Lord. And he says that he, when he shows up, we're talking about revival. We're talking about a visitation from God, and not just a visitation. We want it to go from a visitation to a habitation where he stays, and we don't let him go. He said, I'm going to come like a refiner's fire, 
and I will purify the priests and us, and I will purge them as gold and silver for this reason, so that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. Now, I'm titling this message The Refiner's Fire, but it could also be subtitled The, 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 the Plan and the Purpose of Revival. In other words, what is revival? It's God coming. It, it, it said the, that the people that are seeking him, he will suddenly come to his temple. So we have to be seeking him. We are seeking him. Much of the church in California is seeking him right now. And there's going to be a suddenly. It, it may happen today. It may happen today here. It may happen today somewhere. I don't know, but at some point, as we, like the apostles of old, are waiting in that upper room, waiting on God, suddenly a sound from heaven, the sound of a mighty rushing wind, the fire of God on every head. There's a flame for every head, church. Amen. He's not just looking for, you know, brother so-and-so or pastor so-and-so to, to, there's a flame for your head. God has the Holy Ghost power for you, the presence and the power of God. But he says he comes like a refining fire. Fire gets hot, doesn't it? Gets hot. And what God wants to turn up the heat in these services. God wants to turn up the heat in our our personal experience with him. Why? Because he comes like a refiner's fire to purify like gold and silver. Now there was a man that he's with the Lord now, but he had a tremendous impact on my life. He was a preacher, a Sunday God preacher from Beaumont, Texas. A tremendous impact on my life in the early years of my ministry. And he told about a time when he was in the Holy Land. He was, he was over there, you know, I don't know, just touring or whatever. And uh, when he was there, he said there were street vendors along the, the, the sides of the road. They'd have a little table and a, uh, like a Bunsen burner with, with a pot on it. And what they would do is they would take your, your spare change, your, your silver, nickels, dimes, quarters, and they would, they, they would fashion it and make a souvenir out of it for you. So he thought, uh, well, that'd be a nice little thing to take home to the kids. So he emptied his pockets to one of these street vendors, gave them all the, he, he, he took out the dimes and the quarters and the nickels that he had and you know, paid the guy a little bit of a fee, and, and the man, the street vendor, put them all into a pot, and he turned that Bunsen burner on, and uh, over a little bit of time, that silver began to melt, and as it melted, the impurities would bubble up to the top. We're talking about how silver is refined. Jesus said he's going to come as a refiner of silver to his people, and as these impurities bubbled up to the top, the street vendor would take a little scoop and, and scoop that off. It's called dross, but it's impurities that will bubble up. Now, you don't notice them. If you pulled out a quarter or a nickel or a dime today, uh, especially one that, that's a new one, it looks shiny. It doesn't look, you wouldn't see that there's impurities in it. But when it's put in the fire and it begins to melt, the impurities come to the top. And the refiner would scoop it off. And uh, Brother Clendenin looked at him for a while, and he says, uh, you know, how long is this going to take? And the guy said, uh, I don't know. There's no real set time to, that it's done. He goes, well, well, how do you know when it's done? And this was his answer. He said, I'll know it's done when I look in it, and I can see my reflection in the silver. 
He's going to come to us as a refiner of silver. What's he going to do? He's going to turn the heat up until we melt and he scoops the dross off as we repent of the things that he makes us aware of that are not in his likeness. How will he know when he's done? When he can look and see his own reflection in us. When he can look at us as a corporate body and see his reflection. 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 18 says this, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, listen now, are being transformed. That's not an instant thing, is it? Transform is actually from the Greek word metamorpho, which we get the word metamorphosis from. And some of you, when you were children, remember in school, that's how we're taught that a caterpillar turns into a butterfly, right? It starts off, a, you know, as a fuzzy worm, and then it goes into a cocoon, and by the time it comes out, it's totally different. It has wings. Where before it was earthbound, now that thing can fly. But it didn't happen like that just overnight, not quick. It, it, it's a process. And it says that as we behold the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed like that. Take some time, like the silver that's put into the pot on the fire. You got to stay in the pot. You got to stay on the fire. You can't jump off. You're like, oh, it's too hot. No, understand, God's not trying to bring you pain. He's trying to bring change. We are, as we behold the glory of the Lord, are transformed into that same image. Whose image? Jesus. From glory to glory. That's the purpose of revival. For this reason, uh, let's go to this, this next slide. Listen to this. The main calling of the church on earth is to maintain and accurate representation and witness of the living Christ. We're not here to fill pews at any expense. That's where the church has missed it over the last 20 years in America. We've thought the goal is to get as many people into these, church, into these chairs, these pews, as we can. Now, maybe you haven't felt that way, but I'm telling you, that's the way pastors all over the last 20, am I right, pastor? Over the last 20 years, that has been the goal. They're going to tell you, like a carnival barker, they're going to tell you whatever you want to hear to get you into their show. But that's not the purpose of the church, and that's why in Revelation, you see Jesus examining the church. Listen, he's right now actively examining the churches. There are some that he's going to say, you know what? You won't repent. I've told you to repent. Remove their lampstand. You say, well, how's that? I want to tell you all those churches that are listed there in Revelation 2 and 3 are today, that's, that, that is what is today modern-day Turkey. They're all Muslim. Don't tell me God doesn't remove a lampstand. Maybe those churches in those days were trying to think like America, like, well, God can't do without us. We're the mighty church of Ephesus. Ephesus today is an Islamic city. 
When God looks and sees, listen, it doesn't matter that the church at one time did something great. It doesn't matter that the church has been involved in many great philanthropic uh, endeavors or that it's served the community. My Lord, I can't believe how many churches have developed that that's their main thing, to serve the community. Your main goal is to serve the Lord. Serve the Lord, and then the community will respond. We try to, the church over the last 20 years has tried to take a shortcut and has, has, has totally usurped the authority of God and his word. The Lord never gave anybody permission to change this book just so you can gain a name or you can gain notoriety. Check out my new book. Check out my new CD. You know, look at it, come check out that, you know, whatever. That's not what this is about. The main calling of the church is to maintain an accurate representation and witness of the living Christ, the living Christ. He's not the God of the dead. Back about the time that I was born, there was a big spread that came across Time Magazine, I believe it was, said, is God dead? Where'd they come up with that? Well, they, they went to the body of Christ and they found a corpse. Because there's no way when you look at this book and you look at the church in America today that you would even guess that they're distant cousins. Now, what's changed? Has God changed or we changed? I'm going to tell you, the Lord doesn't change. He is the Lord. He changes not. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But we have changed. And then we wonder, where'd the power go? We are called to be an accurate representation and witness of the living presence of the Lord Jesus Christ in the earth, and he's calling churches to account right now. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20 says, We are therefore ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what an ambassador is? That's somebody who represents their home country in a foreign country. I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm to represent heaven here on earth. I'm going to look at this, this second. There we go. The local church is meant to be an embassy of heaven in this foreign land and we are ambassadors for the kingdom of heaven. Has anybody here ever traveled outside the continental United States? Give me a wave. Okay, well, you're aware then, if you go somewhere. Now, when I was in Russia holding crusades in the mid-90s, we didn't have an embassy there. We had a consulate, but much the same. And an embassy, when it's in a foreign land, that's literally the property. If it's a U.S. embassy, it's the property of the United States, even in a foreign country. And the laws of America pertain to that plot of land on which the embassy sits. The big question is this. Are we accurately, as the church, I want to apply it to this, this church. I'm not, I'm not preaching to, you know, there are probably some people from other churches that maybe listen to this and this may get passed around on the internet. However, I'm speaking to us. Are we accurately representing Christ and his kingdom. And in order to accurately answer that question, one has to look no further than the book of Acts. How do we stack up against the church 
in the book of Acts. This, therefore, is the why of revival. If someone were to come to me and say, well, Brother Steve, why do we need revival? Because when you look at the book of Acts and you look of us, there's, like I said, you can't even believe that we're like third, fourth cousins. Just, you're like, how is that the same church? In fact, when the apostle Peter said on the day of Pentecost, this is that which was spoken of the prophet Joel, it would be well for Pentecostal pastors today to look at their congregations and say, is this that? Is this that? Revival is God intervening to reestablish his testimony in the earth. He comes to us as a refining fire to purge us of the dross that we have collected until he can look at us and see his reflection. When the men came, right in the book of John, right about the time Jesus was going to go to the cross, it said there were some Greeks that came, and this is what they said. Sirs, we would see Jesus. That's not changed out there in the world. What the world's looking for is not a social club or, you know, nice people or... You know, what, whatever it is that we think they're looking for. They're basically saying, sirs, we would like to see Jesus. And that's what we're called to give them. We need to be that accurate representation of Jesus. It only comes as we invite, like we sang in that song today, I surrender all. Not I surrender some, I surrender all. Gotta get, I, that's the gospel. He gave all that he was to obtain all that we are. I surrender all. And as we surrender all, that means we're going to surrender to the process of the refiner's fire. We're, going to, we're not, we're not going to scream or, or cry or write the pester bad letters or emails when it gets too hot in here from the preaching of the Word of God. Because there's a purpose. See, the men of God in this church, they love you. It's, no one's up here trying to be mean. And if your toes get stepped on or what have you, it's not so much just trying to inflict pain. There's a purpose. The purpose is we have obtained dross and filth that we are no longer, when the master looks at us, cannot see his reflection. Therefore, when the world looks at us, it cannot see his reflection. So then, I mean, what are we? Now, the overwhelming, this is the third slide, the overwhelming quality that God needs to reestablish in us is his holiness. I want you to say that word with me, holiness. That word's frightening to a lot of people. When you, when you say it, people, there's an instinctual, almost gut feeling of just a shutdown. And I'm not sure exactly why that is. It could be that some people have portrayed holiness in, in a way in the past that, that made it seem something other than it was. I'm going to tell you, in a nutshell, holiness is, is simply this. It's Christ-likeness. That's what it is. Sanctification, holiness, interchangeable words. Holiness in the Old Testament, sanctification in the New. means the same thing. It means Christ-likeness. That's what holiness is. Because the Bible says that God is holy. You remember what pastor preached last week? Isaiah 6. Isaiah goes up to the temple 
much a time like we're in right now, the, the, the hopes of the nation had fallen because the national leader had died. And Isaiah didn't know what else to do. Uh, he says, I, I just got to go. I got to get a word from God. And he goes up to the temple, and as he's there, God reveals himself in a way that Isaiah had never seen before. And he sees the Lord, as Pastor said, on the throne. There's only room on the throne for one person. It's not you. It's not me. It's not the pastor. Only one person sits on the throne. That's Christianity. I'm not talking about some kind of hybrid or GMO Christianity. I'm talking about real, true Christianity has one person on the throne. That's why the confession is, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. That means you're, you're stepping off of the throne of your life, and you're letting Jesus, the Lord, take the throne. He saw the Lord on the throne, high and lifted up, and the angels were crying this, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Romans 8, verse 29 says this, For those whom God foreknew, did you know, those of you that are saved here, that you, you know, you'd have a witness of your spirit. You say, absolutely, 100%, I'm saved. If Jesus came right now, I'm going. If I drop of a heart attack before I hit that back door, I'm going. I'm, I'm, I'm right with God. Not by the works I have done, but because of the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross for me, and I'm trusting that and that alone. That, my friends, is your salvation. If there is, there's probably not, but if there is the Apostle Peter at the gate of heaven asking why I should let you in, you better not say I taught Sunday school. You better not say, I was in church three out of four Sundays. You better not say, I paid my tithe. None of those are going to, that's not it. Like that old hymn says, nothing in my hands I bring, but simply to thy cross I cling. The, the, through this Romans 18, uh, Romans 8 verse 29, again, this is, for those whom God foreknew, if you're here and you're saved, God already knew you were coming. That's what foreknew mean. Some people get hung up on this. They're like, well, does God fix it ahead of time? Who's saved and who's not going to be saved? No. Everyone has an opportunity. But I'm going to tell you, God knows who's coming. There's a sign over a door that says, whosoever will, let him come. And as you walk through that door, there's another sign that says, I knew you were coming. That's God's foreknowledge. He, knew who, he knows who's going to accept and who's not going to accept the free gift of eternal life. But that's on you. That's your choice. No one could force you to take the medicine that God's given and offered for the salvation of your soul. But listen, through those God who foreknew, he also predestined. You know what that means? Your destination's already picked out. Listen to what it is. To be conformed to the image of of his son. That's the destination. To conform you, to conform me to the image of his son. Back to the refiner's fire. He's doing that. Why does he turn up the heat? Why does he come in? You know, revival gets hot, man. I'm not going to tell you it's not. But there's, there's no other option. There is no other option. I'm telling you, America's hit the Titanic. It's time to get people into the lifeboat. We're the lifeboat people. 
got to wake up. All of you that are thinking, oh, good times are coming again, I'm telling you, it's, everything's changed. It really hasn't. It's been this way for about 50 years. You just didn't know it. But now the curtain is being pulled back, and once you've seen, you can't unsee. And those who are saying, well, God will never judge America. My goodness, I don't even know how many innocent babies we've killed by abortion over the years. Human trafficking. Our government sending us to, myself included, to wars that were never sanctioned. They tell me I'm going to war for one thing years, a decade or two later. Turns out that wasn't even the reason why we went. We're messing the kids up with this woke agenda, trying to tell kids they're girls and girls they're kids, they're boys. And we think God's not going to judge that. Seriously? Do you, have you read your Bible you know, God smoked Sodom and Gomorrah, and they did not have one Bible. You think we, with all this gospel knowledge, you turn on your radio up here in even Amador County, get about three Christian radio stations on, preachers all over the place, churches all over the place. You think God's not going to judge that? He said, listen, I've told you. I gave you opportunity. I sent my son to die on the cross for you. And you kept spitting in my face. To think that God is not going to judge America is a fool's dream. Now it's time for the church to rise up and do her job. It's time for us, because you know what? I'm, you mark my words. You better you can write this down in your notes. Very, very soon, you're going to see the financial rug pulled out from under this nation. You're going to see war come to our coast. You mark this down. You remember this day that I told you this. And you know what? You know who's going to have the answer in that time? The people with the lifeboat. I've got that lifeboat. His name is Jesus. The, ark, the door of the ark is open now. Come in before the door is shut. But the angels were crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Not love, love, all love. We know God is love. No one, you know what? Even an unbeliever out here knows God is love. They're, they're hoping on it. What they're afraid of is that God is also holy. Just like you got the, a coin, you got a side that's heads, you got a side that's tails. Still one coin. God is holy and just, and he is love, and he is merciful. But my friend, if you do not receive the love and mercy of God, you can surely expect the judgment and wrath of God. Amos 3 and verse 3 says, Can two walk together unless they be agreed? The answer is obviously no. You ever try to put, you ever walk, try to walk two dogs at the same time that have not been through uh, discipline school? What a nightmare. There's a guy in our neighborhood, he's trying to walk three or four dogs at one time, and the guy's all over the road. Why is that? Because the dog's going this way, the dog's going that way, one dog's going this way, one dog's wanting to go back to the house. Can, can two of those walk together and be agreed? No, the obvious answer is no. They cannot. Well, God's not going to change. We need to change. If we're going to be a part of this last day lifeboat maneuver, we must change. 
Hebrews 12 and verse 14, listen to this, and I'm bringing this to a close. Be ye holy, for without holiness no one will see the Lord. I want you to hear this again because I don't hear this preached much anymore. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. You could also put this in here like this. Be ye Christ-like. For without Christ-likeness, no one's going to see the Lord. I remember hearing a story about a preacher. He had a dream one night. And in this dream, he's standing before the Lord. And he begins to give his resume. <laughs> Everything he had done. Well, Lord, you know I've pastored this been in the ministry for 20 years and I built this great work and we've, we've got a Bible school, Lord, we're giving this much to missions. And the Lord put up his hand and said, like that, like stop, he says, come closer. Let me see how much of my son I can see in you. And he woke up in a cold sweat. Without Christ-likeness, it doesn't matter if you're on the church roll, my friend. You can go to hell with baptism waters on your face. You can go to hell with a communion wafer and a cup in your hand. He's looking for Christ. Listen, when you're born again, people know you're born again. Because everything's different. Because you have a new heart. 1 Peter 1, verse 15 and 16. But just as he who calls you is holy, so you must be holy in all you do. For it is written, he is holy, therefore be holy. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 1. Therefore, since we have these promises... Let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit. That, that even goes down to the music we listen to. Is that, is, is that wholesome? Is that filling your spirit with the presence of Christ? Or is it the spirit of the world and perhaps the spirit of the devil? What we're watching on television is that filling us with the Spirit? He says, purify yourself from anything and everything that contaminates your body and spirit. You say, Brother Steve, why are you coming so hard on this? Because the fire is being turned up. It's being turned up for a reason. God needs an accurate representation of his Son in the earth. God's not messing around. Time is it's, it's up. It's now. It's go time. And he's saying, quit playing games. Quit, you know, some churches, have you heard of some of the churches that fight over the color of the carpet? Man, I remember back in my day when they first started, this is fantastic. Back in my day, I grew up in this. I remember when they first started putting up overheads. You remember those? those? And, and man, there were people feuding and fighting because it wasn't hymns. Just silly stuff. Who cares? It's all hands on deck. The ship's going down, man. Amen. Can God count on you? You said he could. That's exactly what you said when you came to him. We got to get this thing about just being about me as an individual. I, I'm not here to see what... I, I didn't join this church because pastor can do something for me. Or any of you. I'm here to lend my shoulder into the work. Because I realize the ship is going down. I'm like, this pastor seems like he's a man of integrity. Seems like Jesus likes him. I'm cool with that. Plenty of room in here. Okay, I got, 
you know, these believers, you're believers, right? You're not unbelievers, are you? Amen. We're believers. Ephesians 5, verse 3. But among you, listen, church, there should not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. God's got a question for the American church. Luke 6, 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, Jesus said, and not do what I say? Did you know that was in your Bible? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? He is in total confusion. He doesn't understand that. The reason he doesn't understand that is because whatever the Father asked him to do, he did, even to the dying on the cross. I know we like to think about that in nice glowing terms, but ever so often, go take another gander at the passion of Christ that Mel Gibson did. That was gruesome. And that's just an actor, that's just a, that's a, just a portrayal. But you're seeing the meat ripped from his bone. You say, man, why did he do that? Is, is the father a sadist? Absolutely not. He did that for you. But he expects a return on that investment. What is it? All of you. He said, my son went all the way for you. Come all the way for me. I need you now. This is an all-hands-on-deck moment. I need you now. And he's saying to much of the American church, why do, you, why do you all call me Lord, Lord? You don't even do what I say. Hopefully that's not people in here, but he is saying that over the American church. Matthew 7, 22, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Listen to this. On that day, many, everyone say many. Many, not few, many will say to me, listen to this. He's not talking to the Baptist. Listen to this. Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? That sounds a whole lot like Pentecostal, doesn't it, Pastor? And I will tell them, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. You know, there ain't no backsliders in heaven. That's nowhere in your Bible. Now, let me close this. Isaiah, as Pastor was talking about last week, saw in the presence of a holy God, and perhaps this is happening to you right now, it's, it's a good thing, it's, it, this is a positive thing, that when we get in the presence of a holy God, and like Isaiah, we realize, whoa, it's me. Coming in here, I thought I was okay. That's what Isaiah was thinking. Coming in here, I thought I was okay. Now I see God and his holiness I'm undone. Now the good news is this. God don't leave you that way. Now he'll leave you that way if you choose to stay that way. But he's provided something for you to be cleansed. When Isaiah in despair cries, woe is me. The Bible says an angel took a coal from the altar and touched his lips. It wasn't the coal there was something about the fire of the coal. I'm, I'm not going to deny that. But what you got to understand is this. That was a coal that was from the altar where the sin offering had been burnt. Type of Christ on the cross. Do you know that? The, all the offerings of the Old Testament, they all pointed to Christ. And he was saying this. He says, lo, he touched them. He said, lo, your iniquity is taken away 
and your sin is purged. Only the blood of Christ can do that. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. It's not what you do. If there's anybody here this morning, you're thinking, well, you know, I'm, I'm not that bad. Well, what's your standard? You measure yourself by the Ten Commandments. That's God's standard. You ever told a lie? You're a liar. You ever look at a woman to lust after your heart or a man to lust after your heart? The Bible says you're an adulterer. You ever take the Lord's name in vain? You're a blasphemer. You see, if you, if you, you make a standard kind of like, well, you know, compared to that guy, I'm not that bad. Well, who are you pointing at, Charlie Manson? Yeah, we all look pretty good, old Charlie. That's not the standard, friend. I'm, I'm telling you because I love you. I don't want you to get there and find out at least once in your life and, and many times if you come here often with pastor, I'm going to tell you this. There's one standard. It's Jesus. And none of us can hit that standard. So you know what you better do? You better lay hold of the cross. You better say, Lord, I, I receive your blood sacrifice for me. And I'm going to put you on the throne and I'm getting off because I made a mess of it. Anybody else can relate to that? That was me. I made a mess of it. I'm done. You know, you don't want to take it till 70 years and you realize that. Hopefully God got a hold of you to place, you know, a little earlier. For me, it don't take much. A couple whacks with the ball bat, I realize, oh, I'm off, Lord. That's, that's you. You can do a better job with this than I can. And he can. But it's all hands on deck. I'm going to tell you, friends, listen. In these days coming, the fire here is going to get more turned up. Don't be surprised. Embrace that because it's good. Because it's going to make you more as you behold that glory and you respond. Every time God puts his finger on something in your life, says, get rid of it. Do it. Why? Because you're going to become more like Jesus. And becoming more like Jesus, the world's going to see. They say, sirs, I would see Jesus. And then they're going to look and say, I see Jesus in you. When the world is shaking and falling apart and there's a stillness in you, they'll come. We're at the brink right now. I'm telling you, God wants to send revival. God is going to send revival. Question is, are we going to receive the revival? He is like a refiner's fire. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, thank you this morning for this opportunity to share your word. And uh, Lord, I believe you spoke to our hearts. Lord, here we are with you one-on-one. -on -one. Lord, may we all realize that the demands that you make upon our life are not to make us feel cruddy about ourselves and make us feel rotten. They're to, they're, they're, they're to get us to say, Oh, Lord, create me a clean heart. Create me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. Cast me not away from thy presence, O oh Lord. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. We're here this morning in the house of the Lord. God has spoke to our hearts. You're here this morning. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've not yet made that decision, I'm going to tell you, friend, now's the day. Now's the time. Tomorrow is a date in a fool's calendar. Don't walk out of here thinking, I'll do it when I get home. I'll do it another time. Tomorrow is a date in a fool's calendar. God is reaching to you now.
And if you're here and you've not made that decision to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you say, Brother Steve, I'm going to do that this morning. I'm going to man up. I'm going to receive what God has offered to me and His Son, Jesus Christ. I want you to slip up that hand right now and let it down. No one's looking. It's just you and me. You're here, and God's dealing with your heart. You say, Pastor, pray, or Brother Steve, God bless you. Brother Steve, pray for me. I want to give my life to Jesus. God bless you. God sees those hands. Anybody else? Do it, man. I'm telling you, I know. God bless you. I know, God, you, you, what you're feeling right now, your heart's beating 100 miles a minute. You're swallowing hard. You cannot deny that the Holy Spirit of God is dealing with your heart and life right now. Anybody else? Time's getting short. Anybody else? You say, I want to respond to that this morning. I'm going to give my heart and life to Jesus. Let's all stand this morning. Everybody standing. Everybody standing. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Jesus. 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 I'm going to ask one more thing, you friend. You lifted that hand. I'm going to ask you to slip out of that aisle right here. Meet me down here. I want to pray for you. Come on. Come on right now. In the name of Jesus, you lifted that hand. I want you to come. Come meet me right here. I'm going to pray with you. You took the first step. Come on now. The Lord's watching you. Don't turn him down now. You already took the first step. Come on, friend. In the name of Jesus. So I want to give my life to the Lord. Come on. Come on. Be a man. Be a woman. Jesus stood for you between heaven and earth, almost naked on a cross, whipped, punished for your sins. Come on. I want you to come right now as we sing this song. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon you. Come on, friend, if God's dealing with you. Because he has anointed you to preach good news. The Spirit of the Sovereign God is upon you. Because he has anointed you to preach good news. Anybody else this morning, God's speaking to your heart. He's saying, I want to use your life. I want to use you as a deliverer in this end hour. I want you to slip out of that aisle and come down here. This is for everybody else. Maybe you're already saved, but you're saying, I want to be used of God. I want God to use my life. Come on, brother. That's it. Anybody else? I want to pray with you. Come on. Something's going to happen. You say, I want to be that person at the lifeboat. I'm going to reach out. I'm going to fill them up. Now lift your hands to the Lord right now. Say, Lord, use me. I give you my life. Just tell the Lord right now, Jesus, forgive me my sins. I receive what you did for me at the cross. I invite you into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. And use me, Lord, in this end hour as a messenger of deliverance. Use me, Lord. I give you my life. Tell them in your own words, I give you my life. No turning back now, Lord. No turning back. I might have took a step to the right. I might have took a step to the left, but I'm not turning back anymore. I give you my life. Use my life. Fill them with your fire. I'm going to come down here. I'm going to begin to lay hands on you. I believe God to touch you in a powerful way. Brother Lionel, let me, let me have you come up here and pray with me. 
Brother Lionel, let me have you come on up here. I need you, I need you to pray with me here on this. Hallelujah. Listen, I'm gonna lay hands on you. God's gonna touch you. God's gonna put fire upon you in the name of Jesus. God's gonna use your life. You're gonna go out of this service today, changed by the power of God. say here am I Lord send me use me Lord may we never be the same as we leave this house of worship today Lord let us be filled with your fire with your power and with your word Lord direct our paths as we see those that are stumbling in the darkness give us the words Draw the lost, Lord. We call them in from the north, the south, the east, and the west. And Lord, we say, here we are. Use us. Use Mount Zion Church, Lord. Use us, Lord. Here, we've got your life's boat right here, Lord God. Fill it up. Come on, church, ask him. Fill this place up, Lord, with the lost, with the backsliders, with those that are broken, with those that are bound. Jesus. And we'll give you all the praise.
for your burdens. Don't leave anything here except for the worries, the pains, the sin, the lack of holiness in your life. You leave it all at this altar and you just leave it here and you hand it to Jesus. I don't know how that always works. I don't know, but I sometimes I physically just have to open my hands and I say, here, God, take it. Take it from me so that I can walk out of here and do what you God have called us to do. So Father, I pray. Let it take hold deep in our hearts, from our toes to the top of our head, that, Father, we want your spirit. We can do this. We can walk in the ways that honor you and glorify you. We can represent your church, God. We can represent you in a way that honors and glorifies you, God. For when the day does come and you come down, you can look at this people here, this group of people online, the people, God, of you, and said, we, you are well pleased. But God, it's going to take the power of your Holy Spirit. It's going to take the cleansing of that coal, that altar of the cleansing of our sins. So God, we walk out of here knowing you died for us. You took our punishment so we could be more like you and represent you. So we rejoice in that, God, for today salvation has come. Today, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Give the Lord one more praise. God bless you guys. God bless you. God bless you. We see you Wednesday night. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. This is the year of the favor of the Lord. This is the day of the vengeance of our God. This is the year of the favor of the Lord. This is the day. And our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above your will. Some power and love, our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom. Power and love, our God is an awesome God.
Jesus We want more You move and we want more You speak and we want more More of your spirit We want more of your spirit More of your spirit 